So um, let me introduce you to our, our panel, and we're very lucky because two of them very nearly didn't make it. Um, Darren Garnham, uh, the Chief uh, Commercial Officer for uh, Mind Candy, British tech company, uh, had huge, massive success with perhaps the first real crossover of Moshi Monsters from digital into uh, many other categories, doing it again. With a, uh, with a new property, so we're very grateful to have you here, Darren, thank you. Uh, he was in New York yesterday and sick this morning, so I think he deserves just a little round of applause for that, so thank you very much, Darren. <coughs> His wife gave him no sympathy, he said, so I said we'd give him lots. Um, next, Darren, uh, Dr. Amanda Gummer. Uh, Amanda runs a wonderful business called Fundamentally Children. Uh, a number of different products, but uh, perhaps uh, you might know them for the good toy guide and the good app guide. Uh, Amanda is a play, uh, development and parenting specialist expert and the author of a book called Play. Um, Hilary, Hilary Plummer, um, I'm doing quite well actually, I'm remembering all of this, it's amazing. Um, Senior Global Director of Licensing for the Lego Company, um, although she doesn't know it, personal hero of mine because she was one of the people behind the emergence of the Star Wars licenses with Lego um, and I've probably paid for most of your bonuses over the years actually. Um, <laughs> But more recently, um, the Lego movie, and then uh, securing the rights for Minecraft for Lego. So uh, we're really lucky to have three of you here, so thank you very much. Um, right, so uh, panel discussions can be really boring and dull, and they can just go from one side to the other. So we're going to try and keep the pace up, and the way we're going to do that is we have ten questions, which we hope are going to answer the question of why this thing, brand mashup, happens, um, how we can capitalise on it, and then perhaps what comes next. So we've got our 10 questions. We're going to try and keep it to about two and a half, three minutes per question. Uh, and I'm not going to sort of eject you or custom pies or anything like that, but we will move on quite rapidly. Okay? Great. Let's, uh, let's get going. So let's start with why. Um, question one, and uh, this is to all of you, actually. What's your brand overlay story? Mine in case you're interested, is playing with my Lego, and I had an X-Wing fighter and a Battlestar Galactica made of Lego because the licenses didn't exist in the 70s. Uh, and I can remember clear as a bell them fighting. Different worlds, different universes, everything else. It was fantastic. What's yours, Amanda? Uh, mine was um, playing with a Fisher-Price green pop-up uh, treehouse um, and bringing all my little characters, Sylvanian families, whatever, playing with it on a Duncan Bassett playmat that my uh, Very nice. Mum Very nice. Darren? Uh, mine's going to sound a bit creepy. Um, <laughs> I used to play with my sister's doll's house with my Star Wars figures, but would aggressively throw them down the stairs. Fantastic. <laughs> and um, I actually made those Blue Peter cardboard houses with the postcards for the windows and the curtains and the carpet for the actual carpet in the garden um, with my Pippa dolls and Cindy dolls and an action man thrown in for good measure. And I must say, of course, some Lego bricks somewhere. Of course. <laughs> um, I'm sure you've all got stories like that, right? So maybe this isn't something which is particularly new, but that's what we want to explore, particularly in the context of digital. So, Amanda, tell me. Do children need the structured and directed play that brand content provides, rather than purely open-ended and imaginative play? Uh, children need a balanced play diet. Okay. They benefit from all sorts of different types of play. There is some rule-based structural play that, that is, is good for them, but actually when they're playing with licenses and brands, they tend to use them as a springboard and go off and play, with, bring other things in anyway, so they're, they're doing the brand mashup. Is that something that you've experienced with children playing with the, the Lego toys, Hilary? Yes, absolutely. I mean, 
the objective of Lego is um, it's not just a construction toy, it's a system of play. And what Lego stands for in terms of its values is creativity, it's learning, it's play, it's caring about what you're playing about, it's quality as well. And it's those endless ideas, it's imagination. But you still have to give children story starters. So although it's about endless play and using their imagination, you need to be able to enable them to kickstart that, that creative play journey. Is that what we're talking about, Amanda, that we need to give children something that they can grab hold of, that they can then take into their play and imagine from? Yeah, it's a really good springboard to um, license products and brands help children um, anchor their play and then they take it sort of on an adventure from there. So, and you can introduce concepts that children have never experienced. So something like Postman Pat, kids might not understand how to post a letter. They, they kind of um, use that as a springboard, but then they, they take it on in, into something completely different. Darren, anything to add to embellish our question two? I, I think there's two. I think uh, it's just got to be fun as a professional and a dad of two boys. Uh, I just want to see what they're doing is fun. Uh, and then from a my candy standpoint, we've developed a thing called Pop Jam. Um, which has allowed that creativity and allowed good and bad, allowed people to mash up um, uh, brands. So we only last week asked the audience to uh, give the minions a haircut or give them a hair. And, um, and we had 11,000 responses in one day of different hairstyles. Because you allowed minions into the space? Because we just allowed minions into And then gave them a play pattern within the app. Fantastic. Okay, right, let's move on to question three, because we want to keep this pace up. Is brand overlay something that just us adults get excited about? Darren? Uh, no. Because, no? again, just having two little consumers at home, I, I see the excitement in their faces. Uh, when they're putting two, particularly the weirder the better, um, things together. But they're also, I mean, Lego in our house is God. Um, and it's God from the television screen, actually. In, in most cases, it's now led into the brick. Um, so I think it's another way for consumers to get into the audience uh, of the brands. I want to just pick up on that quickly because we haven't talked about that and when we spoke before the idea that the visual content that you've created which in itself is this wonderful mashup is now driving people to the plastic brick yes and I think that's the whole aspiration of taking the physical bricks and bridging that digital space so whether you experience the world and stories of Lego um, in a physical play experience or in the stories that appear on screen in or even uh, through the Lego video games as well so um Amanda, why do children get excited about mashing up two of their favourite characters? Is there a kind of a cumulative whole of having, you know, if I've got my, my, my Battlestar Galactica here and I've got my, uh, my X-Wing fight here, why do I get doubly excited about having those two separate worlds coming together? Uh, kids get excited about play generally, and it's the fact that they're in control. So they can bring those worlds together, they're making those decisions, they're empowering themselves to, to kind of develop their confidence, decision-making skills, and that's... They're, they're being more grown up, they're, 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 it's quite power empowering for them. Fantastic. Darren? I was just saying that there was a great uh, quote by a lady from uh, Lana from Kids Screen recently, where she said, the successful brands at the moment, like Lego, Minecraft, Rainbow Looms, um, allow children to be the architects of their own play experiences. And I thought that was just lovely. That probably, yeah, yeah that would sit mm. in the core of a yes, lot of what uh, Lego uh, does. Absolutely. So they've got to be able to have fun, but feel like they're owning that, that creative experience and, and having fun while they're playing. So let me just challenge that notion just quickly before we move, move, move on. Um, 
when Star Wars Lego first come out, I know we spoke earlier, and I haven't asked you about this, so I might, I hope it's okay. Um, when, when Lego Star Wars first came out, I was scratching my head. I'm like, hang on a minute, this is Lego, and they're doing Star Wars. That's not very good. I, I soon changed my mind once I got into it, but it seemed like a really strange thing to do. Why did the company decide to do it? It was obviously a very smart idea of actually my boss, Jill Wilford, who uh, decided that this was something we should do, but um, I think it's proven over the years, it's become an evergreen in the Lego um, family, the portfolio, uh, and it's simply because it has these rich stories and rich characters, and it's that marriage of a strong brand like Lego that people care about and have, have an emotion, a real emotional connection with, and also characters that they care about. And I think that's something that Lego's invested heavily in, is then taking those characters and those stories and um, enabling the consumer, the fan, to experience them at different levels. So whether it's in the video game, whether it's playing with the bricks, or whether it's actually viewing the co-created content that you can now um, find on your um, VOD or TV channel. So, but from a business perspective, and I hope you don't mind my saying, a few years ago, Lego was not doing as well as it is now. We've been the number one global toy company. And my sort of naive perspective on this is that perhaps your strategy of taking licenses and putting that into your play is one of the things which gave the company a, a new lease of life. Would that be fair or not? There are lot, lots of factors, actually, that uh, have contributed to Lego's success. But I do think making Lego uh, more accessible and relevant to certain uh, fans and consumers, and I think that's where we're going now when you look at where we're taking the physical play into the di digital space, and it's that creative journey. And, and it speaks to, again, that Lego's not just a construction toy. It's enabling fans um, and consumers to to play in a, in a different space and create. So it's a, a system of creative play, and that's really important to remember, I think, for, for whatever business you're in. Perfect, okay. Right, question four. I think this is the last of our whys. Um, is this a new trend in digital or something that Toyco's have understood for a long while? Um, I guess I'm, 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 you're hogging it a little bit, but I do want you to start. No, it's not me making you hog it. Um, would you mind starting us off on that one, Hilary? Yeah, um, so just briefly, I mean, I can really only speak on behalf of Lego, but I think it is a trend that is going to only become more, um, more uh, popular as uh, all companies look to be able to, again, bridge digital and physical because children's time is so squeezed now and um, they experience characters in so many different platforms and so one way you can do that is when you're mixing phys the physical play so the, the core plastic brick minifigure and then you can also play that whether it's in Lego Dimensions or whether it's um, viewing it in content and I won't hog <laughs> the conversation further but I'm sure you've got something else to add. Darren? Yeah I mean uh, Thank you. one of the biggest challenges how many hands up if you're making digital apps for kids with brands. Okay. I mean, one of the biggest challenges is how you're going to make money from it. Um, so making money away from, because the, the in-app purchase model doesn't can't work for kids. Yep. Uh, premium, yes and no, but there's so much free content mm -hmm. available. So really you have to bake in what is the wider strategy of how you're going to monetize that brand. Um, and I think a lot of successful digital companies don't need to think about that. Um, and I'm thinking more actually in the adult spaces, the clash of clans and machine zones of the world. But in the kids' space, you, you have to 
really think about that ecosystem. So are you, are you suggesting that you parachute in other brands to support your particular venture in some way? Yeah, I think if, you, if you're trying to establish something that's a natural marriage that will help you with distribution, with eyeballs, and with rapid growth, if that's what you're looking to do, mm -hmm. then yeah, something collaborative would make a lot of sense. So it's not just the toy companies that have understood this for a while. The digital app creators and digital IP creators are understanding this very well. Um, do children care? Um, I don't know, but just going back to the toy companies, I don't think they have understood it for that long. They've been quite territorial. And it's think? only with the advent of digital that the toy companies then go, oh, actually, we need to be less um, territorial or proprietorial about all of this, and we will open it up. And um, with them, I mean, increasingly, toy companies are developing digital play, play patterns for their toys. But that's, that is a relatively new thing. And I think before then, it, they were very protective of their brand. Do you think the toy companies are getting it right yet as a play specialist? I mean, we see lots of toys launched. We see lots of these kind of crossover app kind of physical toys launched. And they seem to sort of burn very brightly for about 10 seconds and then go on special. Um, we're seeing, increasingly, we're seeing through the Good App Guide and the Good Toy Guide, we're getting sort of people coming to us that, with products that fit into both camps. Um, and they're doing well, and they, the, the sort of the physical play on top of the app play addresses some of the concerns that parents have about too much screen time. So that, that works really well. Um, but the sort of the mashing up of the brands within that, I think um, Darren's advice is, is very good. To, to, we get a lot of sort of small app companies coming to us and app developers and helping them collaborate more or encouraging them to collaborate more and produce something that's a bit, a bit weightier, yeah. I think is okay. really good advice. And I, and I think there's, there's something in it for everyone. There's, there's a lot of great companies out there with brilliant distribution who just don't have a scooby what to do to start digital. So there's, there's some real nice collaborations out there that will work for both sides. And when you say they don't have a scooby, you mean they have no idea whatsoever? Correct. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so the why, as I heard it, was that, um, if I got this right, it's something that's been around forever, for always, um, but uh, digital acts as a fantastic enabler to this mashup space, because you can do it, you can do it quite quickly, uh, and it seems to make very good business sense yeah. at the end of the day. So that's why this is happening. Okay, so let's talk about how. Uh, question five. What are the component parts of effective brand overlay, Mr. Darren Garn? Um, I've actually really, I've new audience, new distribution, new eyeballs. Um, I think it has to be okay. a collaboration that both people on both sides of the table feel that they're adding benefit to each other. Um, and as I say, the, the, there are some great entertainment companies out there that are trying to figure this out from a digital perspective, or buying their way in uh, is a much faster yep, route. Yep, yep. Um, but no, it, it has to work for both sides. Okay. And ultimately, listen to the audience. I think, I mean, one of the reasons, Moshi was successful for a number of reasons. We, we, we rode a, a new wave um, but we also listen to the audience. I mean, 70 or 80% of the content that went in was yeah. the derivative of yeah. listening to the fans. Okay, so listening to people when you're creating is very important. Yeah. Hilary? I can, um, adding to that, so Lego Ideas is um, a product concept that's completely um, created by our fans. So the Lego fans, which is core to Lego success, any uh, brands, IPs, uh, characters that they are particularly fond of 
they, they can actually vote to have a product then made. So for example, the DeLorean was um, the result of, of that fan base. The, do the, uh, the Doctor Who skew that's gonna be in Dimensions and later, later on watch this space for another skew, but, um, and Wally. -E. So we have, um, we're able to cater to, to different audiences as well. And, and the one thing I would like to say though, that, that um, with the how, with the brand overlays, I think Lego has been doing it very successfully in the traditional physical space with the Lego superheroes and DC and Marvel and, um, and other brand overlays. But um, I think what digital's now doing is making it much easier as, the, as all the boundaries are sort of... But have you, have you have you done it so well because you've stayed true to your values? Absolutely, okay. I th yes. And okay. I think also that the really understanding what your fans and consumers want, but also being very selective about what brands you actually collaborate with. So you have to, you really need to know what does my brand stand for and what, what will this brand actually complement what, um, what we're trying to create here. So the sum of both is far more impactful than the two sitting side by side separately. And the end result is it's got to be fun for the kids. Yeah. And the ki it's got to make sense to the yeah. kids. They've got very good imaginations, but there are some brands that just will not work together and they'll yeah. never... It has to be authentic. If, if, the, if kids feel like something's being overtly marketed to them, it has, it has to be a great product at the end of the day. And the best way to do that is to work with the children. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, the, and, and the holy grail, if you can get the... the I mean, you, you talk about Star Wars Lego, you're a fan. If you can get the parental buy-in on top oh, of that yeah. as well. Oh yeah. We, we did something recently. With it gives Jamie. me an excuse. <laughs> we, we did something with Jamie Oliver and Moshi Monsters recently for his Food Tube channel. And we picked up this whole new audience of Food Tube channel, which they're now looking like we've got adults looking for Moshi products. It's very strange, but it, it's worked to get us into a whole new space, which we weren't really investigating. Perfect. Let's move on. Question six. What is the right balance? We've talked, so we've feared into this already. What is the right balance between brand integrity and allowing your brand to support other brands? Um, I, I, I've got to start with you, Hilary, on this, haven't I? I think, I mean, I think I've already said it. It's understanding yeah. what your brand stands for. You can never disappoint your consumers. You have to, you really do have to respect your consumer because at the end of the day, they will define your success. So what you then choose to work with, um, what brands then complement what, what uh, whether it's perhaps a classic story that you really feel will uh, enrich a particular um, play experience. Or maybe it's something new that from the video game space or the app space, and you think that's gonna get me into a new market, to a new audience where the brand isn't so established. It's very easy though, isn't it, for, for us to sit here and talk about Lego and Marvel and Disney or with Mind Candy and your, and your successful IPs, but I'm sure there's people sitting in the audience that have got something that isn't massive, actually, and, but would be massive if, if Lego said, yes, we'll do that. Um, so <laughs> no, I'm not going to take you down that road. But how, how, you know, are there people here that have got little IPs that they want to do things with? Yes, you've got things you want to make. Yeah, and not necessarily little. Yours are much bigger. Put your hand down. How does a little guy get a chance? He needs to build a Lego model, put it on the Lego Ideas website and get at least 10,000 votes. And if you get 10,000 votes, then we'll look at it seriously. That's not a bad idea. That's kind of content marketing in a sort of a new paradigm, it's isn't it? It's getting hey? your community, your yeah. fan base to... Get behind to you. There we go. Yeah. Darren? Yeah, I mean, we've, I, I, I'm, I desperately try not to self-publicise when you're on these panels. Uh, but we, we do have this... We, we do <laughs> what, have this why are you here? <laughs> 
we do have a product called uh, Pop Jam, which we, we've allowed um, anyone can come on. You can create stuff. Come on, create. So any of these guys that have got a little IP, they can get on Pop Jam. They can anyone create. Can You've on. got a platform for them. We'll give you a verified account, and I'll give you a good example. We've we've got something called um, Find Chappy that we put on there. Um, really cute little uh, mm. IP. It's kind of they've done some book stuff in, but never really got over next, that next hurdle. Um, they've now got 65,000 followers on PopChat. Really? Yeah. And we're now talking about actually how can MindCandy take that IP on and put it through our machine. And it's come from our own platform. Because 65,000 is, is quite a number. That You could go, you, you've, you've got evidence that you've got a fan base. Yeah. And actually, it's evidence that they're not contractually obliged to do it with us um, mm. because we're still trying to build the audience. I mean, they can now go to another platform and say, look, we've got an audience that we know it's working. We're changing that, by the way. Good. Um, Amanda, anything to add on this one? Um, well, I was, I was going to steal away from self-promoting, but since we're, this is all right, we, I was going to say one of the things that you can build in when you're pitching to the big guys is credibility and authority. And that's what you know, the team at Fundamentally Children in the audience, they can talk to them about um, how to get credibility for your brand by getting the good toy guide or the good app guide seal of approval and understanding, using our research to help uh, sort of understand your audience better. Okay, let's move on. Question seven. Is there a golden rule or two for creating in this space? Um, let's start with you. So I would say that um, the easiest golden rule is the how not to, and it would be shoehorning brands that don't match. So make sure that your values are true. We said it earlier, make sure your values are true to the values of whoever it is you're collaborating with. Okay, Darren? Yeah, I completely agree. Don't underestimate the audience, particularly, particularly a young audience. They're, they're brutal, uh, and, and they'll know. They'll know if you're trying to hack something together. But, um, what, it, but what, what advice could we offer people for how to actually conjoin two separate entities? So we've got our values, and we need to make sure our values match up. Yeah. Uh, values and innovation. You've got to bring something new to the consumer. Just lumping two brands together, it's it's still got to bring something fresh to whether it's your existing portfolio of products or, or to the consumer's experience of your product. Okay, Darren? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, I just, uh, I, I love the wow factor. I love reading and, I love reading things and going, God, that's absolutely genius. You'd never have put those two together. But what makes it genius? Um, I was going to use the Hello Kitty Kiss example. That's a very good example, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, you're, you're bringing a sweet, fluffy brand to a hardcore rock band. You, you, so the collision. You really, they shouldn't be in the same room. But they do, and uh, it works. But they do it very well, yeah. Have and you all seen this? And then, and then that then takes your audience. It takes a rock band into more of a maybe a, a, a female-led audience that might not have been following them, uh, and vice versa. So it's really with, and again, we're doing something with um, a Japanese platform at the moment for World of Warriors. The mobile space is so brutal to get an audience. So we're looking at collaborations because they have a successful game in their market, they love ours, so we're gonna just mash the two together in some way, potentially. The other thing as well, I'd say, um, making sure that um, you don't overthink the branding. You need to have a strong brand and it's gotta have its own identity, because otherwise there's nothing to mash. It, you, you get sort of subsumed by the next, the other brand that you mash up with, but actually building in flexibility to that brand. Lego's a perfect example where it's a platform, it's, it's not got the character identity, so you're sort of matching something with a strong character with something else that's a sort of um, that's more complementary. Sorry. Actually, I mean, any, anyone that's walked around any of the Comic Cons, mm. it, it's just the mashups there are just fantastic. 
friends you've never put together in a million years. Right, let's, uh, let's just summarise and let that how. What I'm hearing is collaboration, making sure the brand values are very strong, uh, being child-focused, um, and making sure that you open routes to new eyeballs and new business. Okay. Right, so what comes next then? So, you know, it's all well and good, isn't it? You know, three of you sitting here saying, well, look, this is how it is, and this is what we've done, and isn't it marvellous? Um, but that's not very interesting. What's more interesting, not that it's not interesting, but what's more interesting is what comes next, or what comes after what comes next. And that's what I'd like to talk about for, for the next ten minutes. Um, so... When we think about something that's now going to move forward, and this brand overlay space is very established now, isn't it? It's kind of, it's almost expected in some ways. So are the benefits of brand overlay now too established to be a passing phase? It's here to stay, isn't it, Hilary? I'm talking about the money, really, I suppose. I think ultimately it's expected now, and no one's particularly surprised, unless it's, it's really um, uniquely executed. And I think LEGO Dimensions is a very good example of what's, what is part of the future. Do you want to explain to people, do you all so, know what LEGO Dimensions is? So, uh, if you haven't been, uh, been on YouTube and seen the trailer, it's worth watching. Um, but it's basically... Uh, it's Weeby, Warner Brothers, who own TT Games, the video game producer who's successfully produced all the LEGO video games over the last um, eight, nine years. And they um, have, uh, with LEGO, we've collaborated on this bridging digital and physical play. And the wonderful thing about this particular product line is that you can incorporate a number of different IPs in a, in a digital space but using the physical brick and minifigure to enable you to then play and unlock experiences within that digital space. And so that's at least one step towards taking everyone on the Lego system of play, which is starting in the physical space and um, moving to digital. So are, are the benefits now... They, they, that's, that's the, the hygiene, isn't it, that this is going to happen. So, uh, Darren, what... what what would you say? Uh, I, I, before I came here, I went into the, the Maker Studios to talk with one of, their, uh, one of the YouTube talent. And I think that whole area hasn't been explored in any great depth. What area? Yeah. Um, the use of um, social celebrity branding with other brands. Um, and there's a, there's a, just recently launched something called Tube Stars. I don't know if anyone's, has anyone seen Tube Stars? It's really cool. It's a, a US toy company, not Lego. Um, <laughs> they've, they've, um, they've, they've taken tube, YouTube stars, their avatars, made them into physical product. Um, and what's genius about it is that distribution, they don't need TV or anything like that because with these YouTube stars, they've got over 60 million subscribers that they can talk about the physical product. So it's just, <coughs> where is this going? I think that's a great brand collaboration that might not be in the truest sense of where we see most of them, which is animation. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. 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 I was just going to add to that that um, I think that's <coughs> certainly the world of... Um, so there's user-created content um, on YouTube. I think the world of YouTube and, and those bloggers, the, the source of different brands and IPs is becoming much more prolific. So actually trying to identify what is the next big IP, what's the best brand to, to collaborate with, is becoming harder because... 
there are so many platforms that consumers can find their um, different brands or heroes or characters. Amanda? I'd agree. You agree? I agree. Okay. Right. We all agree with Henry. Um, question nine. What have you seen that you find exciting and that might indicate where brand overlay is heading? We've kind of started to veer into that area, haven't I? I'll give you a starter. I'm quite excited about Playmation. Disney's, uh, have you all seen this thing? I don't quite understand it, because anyone from Disney here? You probably are, and you probably aren't saying. Um, so it's this thing where you might have like an Iron Man grieve, you know, like Iron Man's uh, repulsor or something, and it kind of, you do stuff, and it, it speaks a narrative to you. They've been really quite sketchy about what it actually is, but the idea is that a child can in immerse in a narrative of their own creating, but prompted by mainly audio cues uh, from a, uh, a digitally enabled piece of wearable technology. I think that's really interesting. Um, I don't think it's particularly groundbreaking. What do you think, Amanda? Um, I think children, children's play patterns are in some ways really constant. So whatever the new innovations and whatever the new thing happens, kids are always going to want to play imaginatively, creatively. And so I think the, the, there's nothing that I've seen, like you said, that's particularly groundbreaking at the moment. I think with the active play and, and some of the sort of social play, the um, biometrics and the feedback, that kind of being able to um, alter the, the play based on children's moods, those kind of things are really interesting. That's well, I, I've not heard of this. This sounds really exciting. What is it? Um, so you can... Is it legal? Um, you know, you can monitor heart rates yep. and whatever. And um, so you can uh, feed that back to an app where you're then able to... Um, it's, it, I know of one uh, Charisma Kids, it's very much early days in, dis in production, but that kind of the idea that then the, the gameplay changes based on... Um, it's like one of those turny book things, but on steroids, where you say, I want to go to Kill the Dragon, turn to page 37. Yeah, but it tells you where you're, it going, you based where you're going based on, based on what your, your heart rate or whatever yeah. else. Yeah. That sounds kind of exciting and scary all at once. Yes. <laughs> Darren? Yeah, I don't, the, the, the geek in me wants to, to see some really cool stuff done with VR. Um, and VR and kids is, is going to be a, it's going to be another minefield um, because is it, is, it, is it? I mean, look, let's let's cut the chase a little bit on VR. You've got to wear this clunky, great bloody thing unless you've got a Google cardboard thing. So you've got to put your mum's iPhone into a piece of cardboard around your head. I can't see many mums of six-year-olds allowing them to and, do that. And, yeah, and that's, and or that's you've got to spend a grand on a bloody great mask. And that's why I say it's a minefield. I think there's right. this, but we'll overcome it. I think. I mean, if we said. Ten years ago, that we'd all be sat in a coffee shop watching Friends on our phones. I mean, people would think you're just yeah, you're crazy. bonkers. So I, I think it will come through generations. It might not be in the next two years, in the next five years, but I'm, I'm really interested to see where that's going to go. Again, with two boys, it, it's it's like anything. It's like a diet. I, I want to see really cool tech brand mashups, whatever it is in that VR stuff. And it doesn't mean I want my kids sat there like droids <laughs> on the sofa, and we're all sat in our own little headsets ignoring each other. But if there's, a, if there's an experience that we can all share together that we can't otherwise share. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Yeah. If, if someone said that all of us could now could put on a headset and jump into the world of Dr. Zeus, who would not want to do that? <laughs> I don't like Dr. Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but these are all 3D printing as well. So while kids can yeah. create their own and, and personalise their toys now that's that's got huge potential as well yeah i think per, per, personalization is is definitely something that all 
companies are looking at and consumers want. And it's just expected. There's a whole, the, all the millennials just expect all these things. Then it's normal for them. And I just think um, for toy companies and anyone that's trying, that's basically catering for children, they mustn't ever lose sight of what ultimately children learn through play, through creative play. And as long as their imagination is continually stimulated, then there's nothing really to fear about what's going on in the future. Who knows? But we mustn't lose sight of that. So what, if, if I'm sort of leading towards summing some this up, not quite yet, but leading there, um, there is this thing that happens when the children experience characters and perhaps their favourite toys where these lovely emotions are released and they have a nice time and they, they really connect with this or identify with the characters and they're engaging a play which is you know, terribly rewarding in some way, shape or form to, the, to the, the, themselves. Um, but then we lay a technology over that and there's something you're saying there about the VR and I, I get it and it's interesting and it's exciting and I understand. But I find that really scary actually because I do take your point, you know, why wouldn't we do that? Because it will be fun. But wouldn't it be better to go to the park? Oh, I still, my kids still chew pebbles. Great, okay, that's fine. <laughs> right, question 10 is where I'm leading <laughs> to. How important are the audience in deciding what works? And this is kind of where we want to come back to all the time, right? This is the children's media conference and the children are our focus and we have a great duty of care and responsibility to provide the best opportunities we can for them. And it isn't just about the commerce. It's about giving them something very rewarding. So in this new paradigm of all these new things happening, how important are they? And how can people out there use children to really understand what mashups might work and how they might work and get those values right and all of that, Amanda? Well, you know I'm going to say we should do focus groups with kids and well, understand but, but kids It's and not stuff. a sales platform. No, no, but no, yes. no. But um, the kids are the end users. They are vital in all of this. So you talk need to children, to test talk to children, children, test children. Use your own to start with. They're the cheapest and most honest. Um, but really, you know, really understand what your audience want and, and don't force it down their throat. And we were saying, we were saying earlier, weren't we? Keep it simple. They, you don't need to overthink things. Kids are fairly binary. They're very black and white. They, they sort of, they take it, they do what they want with it. They don't need, they don't read the instructions. They don't want too many instructions and they ignore them pretty much anyway. Right. So make sure that you're giving them that freedom um, to, to do what they want to do with your products. Hilary, to, to Lego, how important are children? <laughs> Vital. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, as are parents and fans and, and all the F-holes. But um, it's just coming back to um, what, what do you stand for? What are your values? And it's, care, it's just caring. So if your product's a quality product and it's fun and it and kids can learn through playing even if they don't realize they're learning through play which they do and that's been that's a fact um, it's it's not losing sight of those those core values really it's very easy isn't it for people to be focused on making something and forgetting who they're making that thing for Darren what do you yeah I mean listen to your audience we've, we've if we hadn't focus test and if we hadn't got an audience into play puzzle monsters, um, there would be no mind candy. Is because, that right? Yeah, because we, we, we thought we'd built this beautiful product and it was called Puzzle Monsters. I think you can still find it somewhere uh, digitally as Puzzle Monsters. Kids hated it. They thought it was like homework. It sounded, it sounded like work. Mm -hmm. And it was the same, but once we changed it to Moshi, it changed. Simple as it was that. the same product, but it was that simple thing. 
And it's understanding that grown-ups think categorically think differently, differently. to kids. We, yeah. ca we can't think no, for them. We've we got to let them. We've got to do it with them. Yeah. Great. We've got a couple of minutes for questions. Has anybody got a question? Um, hi. hi. My name's Alex. Um, this is for uh, Darren. Um, you were talking before about uh, Hello Kitty and Kiss, which uh, is pretty funny in my, in my opinion. It, when I saw it, I was just like, how, how did this happen? Um, but it reminded me of, of something I was um, I was watching uh, Big with Tom Hanks the other day. I don't know if, if everyone's familiar with that film. Um, I think we should all watch it again because I was watching it with uh, with my boyfriend and he put a really, really good point. He said, the reason this film was so weird and so funny is because Tom Hanks is supposed to be in his like 20s or something and he's He's a kid, he's playing with toys, he's jumping on the piano, he's being silly, he's playing with stuff in the office, he's goofing around. It's like, ha-ha, adults shouldn't be doing that. If Big was made today, people would be like, so, he's just a normal adult. So, <laughs> I think one of the major crossovers, which kind of slips into, it's not really a brand, but is toys for adults and toys for children has crossed and merged like quite significantly. Um, you know, things like you were talking about Minecraft and, and VR uh, at uh, the E3 conference that happened uh, three, three weeks ago, I think mm -hmm. it was. Um, did you see the hologram mm. that Minecraft had mm. developed? Blew my mind. Yeah. Um, I think showing that to very young children, they will probably just be like, so. Because uh, they'll ex they expect things now. But adults who would be looking at Minecraft are going, what? This is amazing. So I think it's interesting for me now, to, we're talking about brand crossovers, is perhaps thinking about um, the parents of these young children. Is there something that they could like in, you know, the Hello Kitty? They don't, with Kiss, adults know what Kiss is. Like, but a, a tiny, tiny child is just like, well, just a fun, fun looking animal. Um, I just wanted your, your opinion on, on those sort of things. Um, wow. Uh, I hope that. Do you know what, I think as long as you're, you're talking to the parent, so I don't even know how to answer that question. <laughs> um, Isn't it because we, we need to know how things work as adults and children just don't need to know, they just accept? Yeah, and I think digitally, there is a generational gap in some of the stuff that's happened. Um, like grandparents to grandkids, I mean, they're just vastly apart most of them mm. at the moment. Mm. Um, so I think you, you need to close that digital gap and educate everybody. The yeah. okay. Anyone else? We've got time for one more question. Yes, Greg Lynn. Lovely panel, very interesting, thank you. Quick question for the panel. If you could have any brand, whether you're associated with it or not, and bring it to your company or your life, mash it, smash it, play with it, what would it be? Darren? Oh, God. <laughs> That's such a good question. Okay, come back to him. Amanda? Mrs. Lego. I need to get minions back into the Lego stable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so honest answer, minions. The other two, I need an answer from you. <laughs> you, you, you you're not going to be able to go Mine would be one of the Disney brands. I'm a bit of a, yeah, one of the... Which one? There are several millions to choose from. Um, Think, keep thinking, Darren. Don't look okay, at her. I, no, I would do something... That's a, just Any brand at all. I'm obsessed with social reach, so I would do something with Katy Perry. Excellent. <laughs> Anybody else in here that okay, do something with Katy Perry? On that line, I'd go, to, I'd go Taylor Swift. 
Okay, thank you and good night. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, we've got to end there. Thank you so much for your attention for the last 45 minutes. Thank you to our panel. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Hi, thank that's you. Brilliant. Well done. Oh, well done.